There's probably no one more powerful, impactful, or driven in the Chinese fashion industry than Vogue China Editor-in-Chief Angelica Chung. I first met Angelica at dinners during Fashion Week and then visited her in Beijing in an office tower where she's overseeing one of China's most important fashion publications, but has also become the de facto consultant to fashion executives from around the world who are trying to get an insight into China's increasingly complex and massive fashion industry. At Voices in 2016, I wanted to talk to Angelica about reaching the elusive Chinese millennial consumer. Let's get right into it. You know, in this uh, conversation we had with you in, you know, a few months ago, yeah. you know, everyone's been kind of, this year's been really tough for the industry, flat growth, uh, slowdown in China. Um, but you said as you looked ahead to next year, you were cautiously optimistic. Tell me why. Well, I'm not an economist, so I didn't look at any figures. I mean, my view was based on my, my gut feeling and uh, how I feel by just living in China. Uh, you know, what, what, what caused the drop was the, the whole anti-corruption campaign. Basically, there was a height where it was conspicuous uh, spending, and that was basically gifting. The money came in from uh, government, or big corporations. So when that was cut down and then the real spending came here, so you feel there's a huge drop. But that huge drop is actually, that part was artificial spending. So the actual uh, consumption, I feel, organic consumption from real consumers has been growing. The reason being that, I mean, there's real wealth accumulating in China. People are getting more wealthy, and people do have more cash to spend. And also in China, there's second tier, third tier, fourth tier cities. It's a big country. A lot of cities are still coming into this new wealth uh, stage. So all in all, I feel it's a good thing that it took a couple of years, maybe longer, to adjust to the fact that actually the, for the brands to actually need to speak to real consumers. Because all these years, it was a lot of artificial work where the brands try to get the giftings. I mean, and they open shops where the corporations or government department might go to get gifts for government or you know, people in uh, high positions. And now it sort of forces the brands themselves to also start to look into actually attracting real consumers and really starting to understand the market, understand consumers, understand different regions and the differences between the different regions. So combined, you know, basically on both sides of the argument, uh, you know, from the consumption, real power gaining, and from the fact that the brands are targeting the consumers in a more realistic and pragmatic way, I feel that it will mm -hmm. uh, be growing generally, the business. And of course, there's the new, uh, new uh, consumers coming into the picture, you yeah. know, the millennials. Well, that's, that's what we really wanted to talk about in this session, because in, in my conversations with executives, you know, and it came up kind of a, in a joking matter uh, this this morning about the millennials, right? You know, Richard Dobbs from McKinsey was saying, why are you all obsessed with millennials? You should be focused on, you know, the aging population. But in China, there is this rapidly growing young consumer base that's increasingly difficult to reach. So you know, we, you've done this project, Vogue Me, yeah. this year, when we're, we're flashing some of the pictures of it. But you know, what are the brands... 
what is the right way for brands to reach that consumer? Because they're so elusive. They're so hard to reach. They are, but in China is slightly different from everywhere else. Um, I mean, I heard these comments about the millennials everywhere else. In China, it's slightly different okay. because we've had several generations of uh, basically only child. Um, in China, this group of people, basically, they have a set of parents and two sets of grandparents, and the parents are already quite wealthy. So that's and the golden child, right? Yeah. Yes, and basically, now this generation, they don't need to worry about properties because two sets of grandparents have properties everywhere. And then this one set of parents also have properties everywhere. And their schooling has been paid, you know, and they, don't, they, they can walk into a job quite easily. They don't have any mortgage. But basically, they are a group of people who never felt the need to save or to work hard to make some money in order to buy your own property or do whatever that we, our generation people, think we should do. They don't really. I mean, that's the difference between this generation when it comes to spending and consumption. Uh, it's the different from the last one. I mean, my generation, for example, we were the first to experience this new wealth, but our spending is sort of what I would describe as technical consumer spending, technical consumption, meaning when we gain some money uh, for some purposes like showing our status, showing we're successful, showing or just upgrading a bit of quality of life, we buy with a purpose. So you look at the brands, look at products differently, this generation. Yeah. But that, that generation, the millennials, I would describe them as that the real consumers, the sort of organic consumers, because they consume for the sake of consuming. And they just love things they want to buy, they, they speak to them, they buy. So it's not for any purposes. So I feel that the situation in China is slightly different from elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Elsewhere, you read about young people lose, you know, can't, getting a, can't get a job, can't pay their mortgages, no uh, prospect of owning their own property or getting a stable job. It's not the case in China. That's why I feel it's a, a much positive sort of scenario mm -hmm. in, this, uh, in China, the millennials, than elsewhere in it's the world. It's good to have a positive message today. Well, it is, yeah. <laughs> um, so if you were to describe the kinds of things that this millennial consumer has, this millennial consumer with a lot of disposable income, it sounds like, what brands are they interested in? What, what things are they buying? What experiences are they after? Well, I, I would imagine they're like consumers everywhere, and you have to ask any brand. They have to ask themselves why any consumer would buy their brands, you know, their products. Uh, in general, uh, these are not the consumers that are easily influenced only by you preaching to them. Uh, the, 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 the way I do, I do Vogue and the way I do Vogue Me is totally different. How is it different? At Vogue, basically, it's like I speak, you listen, and they will listen. That kind of attitude. And then with Vogue Me, is that you... you they speak and that. you listen? Well, they speak, I listen, uh, yeah. and then I try to digest, and then... 
talk to them in a way that they can understand. I mean, I, in the office, I always reference uh, my daughter Haley. Inside, you, you cannot tell her what to do. She's not even 10, but you can't tell her what to do. But you have to go around it if you want to achieve that uh, purpose of getting her to wear a dress. You can't say, listen to your mother because I'm your mom. Or you can't say, listen to me because I'm editor of Vogue. I know fashion. Um, <laughs> it, it, she doesn't care any of this, but I will say that, oh, look at this picture. Taylor Swift wears this dress. Yeah, I think it looks similar to yours. And then she would wear that dress. So the authority here is not mommy, it's not the Vogue, it's Taylor Swift. But of course, you need to digest that and as a mother, you still need to guide her into becoming the person you would like her to become. So the goal is still the same, but the way to communicate that message needs to, needs to change and need to adapt. So at Vogue Me, it's very, we have a young team, and it's very important that you don't talk down to them and you treat them as friends. So the way you, you look at some of these graphics, you know, we, we get the celebrities write and we have young people writing. So you, you create a community kind of feeling where they feel they are influencing each other. And for the brands, I feel at the moment, uh, a lot of people are taking a very short term kind of approach to reaching the millennials. Uh, because it all happened very quickly over this past year after we launched, yeah. then, you know, it's pretty much is the new momentum this year. And everybody is sort of struggling to get these celebrities in order to sell to their fans. And I feel the, the, per, uh, the, the method now is very too direct and very short term because they basically can get anybody with, uh, you know, like say, Chris Wu, uh, Mario Schott, Chris Wu and Luhan, all these people, they have 20 million, 40 million, 50 million fans. So a lot of the brands are just purely using them as a vehicle to sell products to their fans. So for, that's why you see a lot of these male actors becoming uh, spokespeople for women's lipsticks, you know, cosmetics products. I feel that's quite crude, basically because their fans are all girls that just saying these are good and the fans go to buy. Right. And then you see some phenomenon whereby, for example, near February, you know, Chris will great influence in, on his uh, fans, uh, then you have several things going on around him at the same time. So he was <laughs> flogging mobile phones, some kind of gaming uh, around February, and then he had, he was on our cover, and he had the Burberry show, and, and he had a lot of other things, a couple of movies to promote. So during that period, and he was basically asking his fans to support a lot. And you could feel the fans feeling very tired. Uh, and I feel that, you know, it's a mixture of short-term and long-term with the, the approach. Because the short-term, after this wave, what will happen? So the brands, when they identify these celebrities in order to treat the fans, they also need to think about what is the message of your brand. When you want to reach out to these millennials, uh, uh, there are two purposes usually. One is immediately you try to 
shift goods. Yeah, you have to try to sell, but that's only immediately. But beyond that, after you invest so much working with these celebrities in order to reach the celebrity, the, the fans, then you have to think, uh, my investment, will that lead to the second and the third step gain? Meaning that you need a longer term approach, whether this celebrity speaks for your brand. And before you decide that, you have to know what your brand is about right. into the future. That means another layer, these days brands need to make longer term plans because you are not just speaking to the mature consumers, you are also speaking to the next generation and next generation will evolve and they cost a lot of money to, to do the marketing promotion. So if you do it just one off, the investment is mm -hmm. the same. But you do it one off but it leads to the next and the next and the next step, then that investment will have a long-term return mm -hmm. to your branding and your marketing. One of the things that we've been um, exploring in this report that we worked on with McKinsey and, and something that came up in the interview we did with you, which I'd be interested to explore, is this idea that actually, and this is a kind of a global phenomenon, which is um, consumers in China are just maybe less interested in buying things and they're more interested in buying experiences, personal transformation. Is that something yeah, that... Yeah, it's definitely a general trend now. Yeah. Not just the young people, it's a general trend, which I think is a good trend. I mean, it's great that consumers, they want to experience and learn and see and, and to do try different things because I, I guess it's like... With any growth in a business, you have vertical growth, then you have the horizontal growth, and these things need to be balanced in order to have a very healthy growth. And I feel the consumers have been bombarded by things a lot, and now they want to improve themselves, basically, in all categories. And I feel it's great because once they improve themselves everywhere, they see a lot, experience a lot, learn a lot, they'll come back, they will have new aspirations as to what they want. Mm -hmm you know, material-wise. And uh, I mean, you want intelligent and wise consumers. And this is the way they are going. And when they are going this way, we shouldn't complain. In the end, more outstanding people, better quality people will lead to better quality products and better quality services and better quality industries. So generally, with that in mind, I still feel very positive about uh, the, the industry in general, because you know, a few years ago, you were talking about Chinese consumers as basically new money peasants. You know, they have money but no taste, mm -hmm. and now they want to learn, they want to see, they want to become more sophisticated. And to me, that's a very, very positive thing to see, to see, and also that makes me feel even more positive about the future of China as a market and as a country. Okay, thank you, Angelica. Voices is a completely different kind of fashion industry gathering, bringing together the movers, shakers, and trailblazers of fashion, and uniting them with the big thinkers, entrepreneurs, and inspiring people who are shaping the wider world. Through a program of provocative talks, interactive discussions, and unforgettable activities, Voices sparks new ideas and solves real-world challenges by connecting fashion industry leaders and entrepreneurs with visionaries from fields as diverse as science, technology, health and wellness, food, film, politics, the arts, philosophy, and philanthropy.